0: This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at channel one You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programmes are also available on TuneIn, and via satellite, utilsat 16A. On 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. Symbol rate, 29,950 megasymbols per second. Standard, DVB-S2. Modulation, 8PSK, audio PID-510. We wish you good reception conditions.
1: Hello, I'm your host Elena Yanake bringing you the news. But first, let's take a quick look at the weather picture. It continues to be warm and nice across the country with maximum temperatures ranging from 14 to 24 degrees Celsius. The noon reading in Bucharest was 23 degrees. And now the news, the headlines. Three NGOs are today staging a march in Bucharest, seven years after the deadly fire in the collective nightclub. Prime Minister Nicolae Ciucă has conveyed today a message of solidarity with South Korea after the deadly stampede in the capital Seoul. The chief of the Romanian army general staff Daniel Petrescu will pay a visit to the United States and Romania has switched to winter time. Three NGOs are today staging a march in Bucharest, seven years after the deadly fire in the collective nightclub that killed 64 young people and left many injured. A religious service is also held in memory of the victims. Some of those found guilty for the fire are finally behind bars. However, the injured, the relatives of the people who died and the three NGOs say that the investigation has not been completed and that public attention has been constantly deterred from the fact that hospitals who took in injured persons and the decisions of the authorities made more victims than the fire itself. The collective fire was the most serious accident that took place in Romania after 1989. The tragedy stirred a lot of emotion within society and triggered the resignation of the then government. Prime Minister Nikolai Chuka has today conveyed a message of solidarity with South Korea after the deadly stampede in the capital, Seoul. He sent his condolences to the mourning families and wished the injured good health and strength. It is a national day of mourning in South Korea today. After more than 150 people, mostly teenagers and young adults, were killed in a crash when more than 100,000 people celebrating Halloween surged into an alley in a nightlife area of Seoul on Saturday. Citizens from Iran, Uzbekistan, China and Norway are among the victims, France Press reports. Romania has switched to winter time, so today is the longest day of the year, having 24 hours instead of 24. Switching to winter and summer time has stirred heated debates in the last few years, due to the physical and mental discomfort felt by the people. The EU has asked member states to decide to which time they want to stick to, but neither Romania nor other countries have taken any decision in this respect yet. The European Union calls on Russia to revert its decision to suspend its participation in the Ukrainian grain export deal, EU diplomacy chief Joseph Borrell said today on Twitter. According to the European official, Russia's decision puts at risk the main export route of much-needed grain and fertilizers to address the global food crisis caused by its war against Ukraine. On his part, the United States President Joe Biden said that Russia's decision to withdraw from an acre that allows grain exports from Ukraine is purely outrageous. Moscow announced on Saturday that it's suspending its participation in the grain deal after a drone attack against the Russian fleet stationed in Sevastopol in the annexed Crimea. Close to 118,000 people entered Romania on Saturday, of whom 9,500 Ukrainians, by 17% more than on Friday. Some 2,700,000 Ukrainian citizens have entered Romania since the start of the Russian invasion on February 10. Most of them headed for Western Europe, and several thousands were granted asylum in Romania. Around 70,000 have obtained stay permits. The Chief of the Romanian Army, General Staff Daniel Petrescu, will pay a visit to the United States from October 31st to November 9th to meet with military officials in that country and representatives of security think tanks. The visit is part of actions meant to consolidate military cooperation with the United States. The solid ties between the two countries are the national result of the strategic partnership between Bucharest and Washington, in keeping with Romania's national interests of promoting stability in Europe. Preschool children and pupils return to school on Monday, after the first holiday week of this school year. The next school holiday starts on December twenty third and ends on January eighth, twenty 2023. The school year has 36 weeks and is structured on five learning modules and five holidays. And that was the news coming to you from Bucharest, Radio Romania International.
0: This is Radio Romania International broadcasting from Bucharest.
2: Sunday Show. Hello and welcome to The Sunday Show. Today with me, Cristina Mateescu. On October the 15th, Romanians celebrated the 100th anniversary of the coronation of King Ferdinand and Queen Marie in the wake of World War I and the union of all Romanian historical regions to form Greater Romania. Let's find out more about this momentous event from Daniel Biltz. On October the 15th,
3: 1922, Romanians witnessed an unexpected event, an event with a strong impact in the mind of every Romanian who had seen the years of the First World War, the coronation of Romania's sovereigns, King Ferdinand I and Queen Marie in Alba Iulia. The publications of the time abounded in details on the organization of the aforementioned event, First off, they published a special venue, the city of Alba Iulia, where in 1600, Wallachian prince Michael the Brave entered in front of his army, an event considered by historians the first political union of the Romanian principalities. Then there was the religious service and the emotions caused by the coronation, the rituals going and the leading personalities attending the event. The press also wrote about political rivalries which didn't cease to exist even during this event. The Liberal government led by Ion I.C. Bratianu staged the entire coronation which was boycotted by the political opposition. At the same time, publications wrote about the Pope's disapproval of a Catholic king who was to be crowned in an Orthodox Church. However, these were all minor elements and the coronation went on as planned because there was nothing to hinder that major event in the life of a nation. In the following minutes, historian Yuan Skurtu is going to help us understand how that moment was perceived by the main participants in the event, the king and the queen. According to Ioann Scurto, the two very different personalities of the king and his wife became very visible on that occasion. King Ferdinand was less active and didn't love public appearances, but he eventually accepted the coronation protocol just like he did during the Crown Council in 1916 when he announced he had to go against his will and accept Romania's joining the war as the council had asked. Queen Marie had a more active role in politics, unlike Queen Elizabeth, who wasn't allowed by her husband, King Carol I, to get involved in Romania's political life. Ferdinand believed that it was the sovereign's right to coronation for their major contribution to the 1918 Union of the Romanian Principalities, and that was also visible in the crowns of the two royal figures. Ferdinand took over the steel crown of his predecessor, King Carol, which had three precious stones added, representing Basarabia, Bukovina and Transylvania. Queen Marie decided that the crown she took over from Queen Elizabeth was too modest, so she ordered one made up of gold, adorned with a lot of jewels, which was weighing more than two kilograms. The extremely strong personality of Queen Marie became very visible during the coronation, but that strong personality was actually completing that of her husband here is a historian you ask to at the microphone again
4: in, uh, de coronare, era firesc, uh, the
3: central figure in the program of the coronation committee was of course King Ferdinand Queen Marie tried. All the time to be close to the king she wouldn't be overshadowed although she hadn't had the king's contribution to the Union in her diary she wrote about a difficult moment for her when she had to kneel before the king to have the crown placed on her head however the king helped her to stand up and kissed her forehead the king placed the crown on his head like Napoleon Bonaparte
2: Let's travel next to the central city of Brasov for a closer look at an experimental art project created by and for women and held in public spaces around the city. Here's Mihaila Ignatescu with more details.
0: The city of Brasov in central Romania has been the host of an experimental project for women and teenage girls titled Femme Monumental, Femme Vegetale a series of workshops and performances created exclusively for the women in Brasov. Dance, poetry, music and somatic therapy offered free of charge in five workshops, with a view to encouraging self-knowledge and personal development, understanding the changes that occur in a woman's life in the current cultural, social and professional context. One of the organisers and performer within the project, Juana said, We launched these workshop-type meetings to look and listen and to empathetically feel the experiences of each participant in Brasov, to create this environment where everyone can express their own interests and curiosities that they observe in their daily life. And it's a space where we can create something meaningful from a banal thing, but less through words, maybe more through movement, through sound and through a living poem. The five workshops are a proposal to the participants in Brashov to give themselves space and allow themselves to just be as they are now at the moment they come to the workshop. And what we take from these workshops we can further use in performances and reinterpret through an empathic lens what we saw and felt coming from them without judging and simply enjoying diversity." End of quote. Juana Boluza also gave us the names of some of the artists behind the project and confessed what the project meant to her. Quote, Femme Monumental, Femme Vegetal" is an initiative to bring together women who inspire me, like Virginia Negro, who is a performer and is my contact improvisation mentor. Then Anna-Maria Guguyan, a somatic therapist who holds intuitive dance workshops in Brasov. Irina Marinescu is the president of the Developing Art Association, through which we ran the project. She's also a performer and cultural manager. And there is also Anna Dragan, who recently moved to Brasov, a writer. And she has several Instagram accounts where she presents her beauty diary. For me as an artist, it was necessary to find the creative space even as a mother. I guess it's a common thing for artist mothers, but also for artists who don't support themselves only from their art and need a supportive framework through which they can carry out their creative process." Juana Balutza. Femme monumentale, femme vegetale is at the same time linked to the emblem of the city, to the mountain that can be seen from almost everywhere in the city. And which, for the team, represents a breath of air, through which they can ground themselves much more in the creative process. But at the same time, it helps them shed light on the natural rhythms, through which they come to create, and with the help of which they take their time and energy. Even in moments of drought that seem unproductive or meaningless, as Juan Abaluza told us. The organisers of these workshops encourage female artists in Brasov to register on Farmdigital.ro, a platform created to support local artists, where they can create
2: collaborative contacts. Eugen Nasta will next take you to Timisoara in Western Romania, next year's European Capital of Culture for a look at some of the city's main tourist attractions.
5: We're heading today towards one of Western Romania's largest cities, Timisoara. It was here that in 1771 the Central and Southeastern Europe's first German-language newspaper was printed. It was also in Timisoara that the Habsburg Empire's first public library with a reading room was established. The town has three state theaters offering stage performances in three different languages. Between 1888 and 1914, Timișoara was the region's leading industrial, commercial, financial and cultural town. To this day, Timișoara has remained a complex destination. With details on that, here is Timișoara Promotion Association's Executive Director, Simeon Jurca. The city stands out as compared to other cities due to a compound of three squares located in the central area. They are mutually connected and it doesn't take you long to cross them. Not only are they one of Timisoara's beautiful zones but also they make Romania's largest pedestrian area. We're speaking about the revolution, the freedom and the Union squares. If you take that route, you can also have the chance to see Timisoara's old palaces, of which some have been refurbished and look really nice. We have a near Logue synagogue, which has been recently opened to the visitors after the renovation works have been completed. Also, there are many listed buildings Timișoara still boasts, built-in architectural styles ranging from the Secession, the Baroque, to the Art Nouveau. Also, in that area we have a large number of restaurants, beer gardens, cafés, where people can have the chance to relax and admire the city's beautiful spots. In the Union Square, we have the Catholic Dome, built in 1736. We have the Serbian Cathedral, which was built in 1750. Also, there is an array of beautiful and refurbished buildings, illustrative of Timisoara's history, or the architectural and artistic progress, but also of the fact that here, minorities have always got along perfectly fine. In the Freedom Square lies the military structure of the former fortress, with the army casino with the building of the former headquarters and even with the old building of the town hall here is the executive director of the timishara promotion association simeon jurko once again
6: <laughs>
5: it is the town's former administrative area an area where a great number of events are staged refurbishment works in the square allow for a great number of people to attend the events the revolution square is the one reminding us of the place where the most relevant episodes unfolded of the 1989 revolution. Here you can find the building of the Orthodox Cathedral, one of the most beautiful Romanian religious buildings, for which construction works began in 1936 and which was inaugurated after the war with King Michael attending. The Opera House lies opposite the cathedral. Moreover, the building is home to three theatres with stage performances in three different languages the National Theatre in Romanian, the German State Theatre and the Hungarian State Theatre.
2: Mihail Agnatescu will next bring you an interview with Peter Stone, the president of Blue Shield International, who visited Romania in September to discuss the protection and safeguarding of cultural heritage.
0: Peter G. Stone is the current United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization Chair in Cultural, Property and Peace at Newcastle University. He was the Vice President of Blue Shield International between 2017 and 2020 and was elected President at the 2020 General Assembly. He is also a founding member and the Chair of the UK Committee of that organization. For his long career and merits in the field of heritage education, in 2011 Stone was made an Officer of the Order of the British Empire. Recently, he spent a few days in Romania, part of a visit co-organized and funded by the Romanian National Commission for UNESCO and the Romanian National Heritage Institute. During his time here, Mr. Stone met with representatives from the wider heritage sector, including professional associations and NGOs, in the field of heritage, the recently established Interministerial Working Group on Cultural Property Protection, ministers and ministerial representatives of foreign affairs and the interior, and the head of the Chancellery of the Prime Minister. Professor Stone discussed with all individuals and groups the responsibilities, obligations, and opportunities provided by the 1954 Hague Convention for the Protection of Cultural Property in the Event of Armed Conflicts and its two protocols. Despite his busy agenda, Professor Stone found the time to talk to our colleague Diana Petrescu about the role of his organisation in establishing, together with its partners, an intervention strategy to protect and secure heritage in times of peace. He talked about the main players contributing to the development of Blue Shield. In
7: 1996, there were four key organisations that came together to create um, the Blue Shield. And those were four international heritage organisations for museums, for monuments and sites, for libraries, and for archives. And that was the genesis of Blue Shield.
8: You are listening to Radio Romania International.
7: But I now refer to Blue Shield as, or visualise Blue Shield as a triangle within a circle. The triangle, as all good triangles, has three points. And those three points are the heritage sector, the humanitarian sector and the uniform sector. And an American um, officer said to me last year, oh, I understand, sir. The space within the triangle is the blue shield. And that's where those three sectors at the points of the triangle all have completely different starting points but in blue shield language are trying to achieve those healthy peaceful stable sustainable communities and the discussion within the circle is where there are no stupid questions but that all three of those sectors can work to a mutually agreed end result those communities so that's the work that goes on in the triangle. But the things in the wider circle that influence that work in the triangle is the political context. And in some, in some um, instances, that political context may not be a benign one. It may be a political context where um, one or more sides to a conflict want to destroy another side's cultural property. There is the legal context. And even if a country... Um, hasn't ratified the Hague Convention. That Hague Convention, because it's now ratified by 133 countries around the world, has moved into um, what the international lawyers call international customary law. So even though a country hasn't officially ratified something, they are expected to obey the generalities of of that um, uh, intervention. And... um, So that's the legal context. And increasingly important is the media context. And um, if you lose the media war, um, you lose the ability to protect cultural property. And, um, And that becomes increasingly important. And the last bit within the circle is obviously the communities for which we try and do all of this in the first place.
0: In the end, Professor Peter Stone gave us an example of a successful Blue Shield initiative to protect cultural heritage.
7: Probably go back to 2011 um, and the NATO-led air conflict in Libya. And it is um, technically the responsibility of countries to draw up a list of cultural property that they would prefer not to be damaged in a conflict. Libya wasn't able to do that, and so, led by the US National Committee of the Blue Shield, supported by the UK National Committee, the Blue Shield created a list of cultural property that we would prefer not to be destroyed, if at all possible. And that was given to NATO through a number of different routes. A NATO targeteer um, sitting on an airfield in the Netherlands from satellite imagery identified six vehicles of troops loyal to President Gaddafi that were either inside or immediately um, parked outside a large derelict building. And so he or she identified that as a legitimate target, identified a weapon to destroy those six vehicles which was one large bomb and that would also have the implication of destroying the derelict building. I don't know actually how the next bit um, worked but if we imagine um, the equivalent of a red light it may have been a red light flashing on his or her computer because the coordinates for the derelict building were the same coordinates for one of the cultural buildings that we'd asked to be protected, if at all possible. And that cultural building was a Roman building and hence not having a roof anymore. And so the decision went up the military hierarchy and at some point it stopped. And the decision was taken to replace the one large bomb to destroy all six vehicles and the derelict building, but to replace it with six precision weapons that would destroy the six vehicles while leaving the Roman building intact. And that's exactly what happened. We were able then the next day to put Libyan archaeologists um, in front of the international media who were able to say thank you to NATO for protecting Libyan cultural heritage. And that got a lot of traction on the international media, so much so that NATO began to receive something that they were very unused to, which was a lot of good publicity. And they got so much good publicity that they instigated a internal review about what they'd done so well to justify so much good publicity. And the main recommendation of that internal review that NATO should develop its own cultural property protection policy. And that's a big thing because NATO frequently doesn't have a a whole policy about these things. It normally relies on the member states policies. Now, we're not there yet with a NATO policy. But in 2018, there was a major step towards the policy, a so-called NATO directive on cultural property protection. And we hope that a policy will be developed over the next 12 months or so.
8: Coming up next in the programme... Romanian Without Tears.
5: Welcome to a fresh edition in our Romanian Without Tears series. Your host this week is Eugen Nasta. Eliciting a response to open-ended complex questions is an efficient means to make friends. So in this lesson, you are going to learn how to ask such questions in Romanian. As usual, here's a bunch of essential words and phrases. A cumpăra, buy. Eșarfă de mătase, silk scarf. Cadou, present. Zi de naștere, birthday. Vișine proaspete, fresh cherries. Livada, orchard. Țară, countryside. Now let us use some of the words and phrases above in meaningful communicative patterns. ma se să-i mamei mele o eșarfă de mătase drept cadou pentru ziua ei. I'm thinking of buying my mother a silk scarf as a present for her birthday. Ce spune dacă ți-aș aduce vișine proaspete din livada mătușii mele care locuiește la țară? What would you say if I brought you fresh cherries from my aunt's orchard? Who lives in the countryside. Ai vrea Delta la Svershit de august? Would you like us to go to the Danube Delta in late August? That's all we had time for in this week's Romanian Without Tears. Thank you all for the interest you take in Romanian culture and for being so keen on learning Romanian with us. Goodbye. La revedere!
8: on Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International.
9: Hi there, I'm Ana Maria Popescu with a new show in the Music Time series, bringing you new music at the English service of Radio Romania International. This weekend, I'd like to bring to your attention an important event for Romanian jazz lovers. The National Jazz Orchestra of France came for a tour in Romania for the first time in nearly 30 years, with concerts in Broyești on October the 27th, Sibiu on October the 28th, and Bucharest on November the first. <laughs> With the guitarist and composer Frédéric Moron as its leader since January 2019, the ONJ has embarked on an extensive project to commission works and to collaborate with composers of unique styles which makes this tour particularly suitable to our show, given, as you know, that it focuses on new, emerging musicians and works in all music genres. I had a chance to chat with Frédéric Moron just ahead of the tour in Romania. Mr. Frederick Moran, thanks for joining me. Let me start by asking you, how familiar are you with the Romanian public and what your expectations are about playing here?
10: So that's the first time that uh, we are going to play in Romania, so we're very happy to go to these venues. Uh, well, I hope that like with any kind of audience, the audience will be delighted to dive into the kind of music that we're offering them uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that it's going to be great.
9: You've been the leader of the National Jazz Orchestra of France since 2019 and this has been a rather difficult and challenging period for everybody and yeah. yet you seem to, to have made your priority to support contemporary composers, contemporary works, experimenting. Yep. Now, this is not a safe path, is it? Not the safe choice. Yeah,
10: um- no, no, that's true, but I mean we we are the Orchestre National de Jazz is an orchestra that is funded by the uh, French government and and uh, I think this is one of our main uh, mission is to continue to produce new music and to you know give the opportunities to people, composers and musicians to express themselves uh, in new ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though the the period has been very difficult, we we tried to, you know, help all the musicians that we're working with so that this period could be less difficult than it would have been without, you know, giving them a safe uh, working environment. You're
9: in a unique position because you're in contact with so many contemporary composers and artists would you say there are any trends or directions in today's contemporary jazz or is everything eclectic and moving in different directions
10: no i would say that it's very difficult to know i mean when you are living the music Mm. uh, to really know what are the trends because you are into it so you need to have a kind of you know uh,
9: a distance
10: uh, it's it's possible yeah a distance possible to do it for the probably the the 80s the 90s mm-hmm. probably the early 2000 years but for the last 10 years I would for me it's difficult to see if there are trains or stuff going on one thing is that history of jazz has always been you know a bit the same that I mean jazz music is just catching the trains and trying to incorporate stuff inside the music we play using improvisation I can tell you that with some of the music that I'm working on uh, for example the program uh, we did with Steve Lehman in, in the US uh, we've just been uh, doing a tour uh, in late September incorporating uh, you know spectral uh, music into our writings, uh, incorporating also new technologies uh, mm-hmm. with uh, IRCAM ok probably this might become a train but I don't really know if it's a train because I don't really see a lot of people doing what we're doing so I it, it, yeah it's difficult to to know uh, if there are trains I mean probably there are trains on the market and mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure of but on the real you know, I'm, I, I don't really it's difficult for me to without any kind of distance
9: You will have three concerts in Romania promoting the orchestra's latest album, Rituals. Can you give us a few details about the album?
10: Yeah, yeah. It's an album that is in a certain way, it resembled uh, the concept albums that some, some musicians were doing in the 70s and 80s. And the goal was to, you know, we wrote the program. We were five composers, three ladies and, and two men. We tried to uh, work together on a, a book that's called uh, Les Techniciens les Sacrets, which is a book that is a collection of uh, ancient texts and poems and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. very ancient from all over the world. Some of them are like uh, two or three or four thousand years old, and uh, we try to find together some thematics that were uh, like uh, present in every kind of any kind of text kind of mm-hmm. and stuff that are, you know, the basis of human uh, behavior. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and human uh, questions. So uh, about death, about uh, you know, uh, life, about birth, about uh, food, about sex, about all the, those those ideas that are. All around the world in any kind of text if you look at old stuff and it's all about this kind of of thematics and so we worked together on that and we used some of this text to give a kind of coherence to the work and for us at the end the piece was more like you know a succession of uh, musical rituals mm-hmm. that you could interpret either like you know rituals for uh, a day or rituals for seasons or rituals for life Mm -hmm. and uh, so we really want you to have you know this kind of journey for the public uh, through uh, all that music
9: if you don't mind i'd like to get a little personal and ask you what did you learn from working with you and jay after your previous experience with the ping machine
10: wow that's a very good question and that's not something i get asked Often: uh, Probably, I would say that the biggest challenge for a musician when you're going into an artistic direction and you know, running a, an orchestra with like orchestras and the jazz like an institution, is mm-hmm. to, that you have to be aware that probably half of your working time will be devoted to something else than doing music. <laughs> and uh that's very important because otherwise it doesn't work you cannot Mm. just say okay i'll I'll do some music maybe it it did work like 40 years ago but now you cannot say okay i'm going to play the music and conduct the orchestra and write the music and stuff and and everything will be okay and i just you know wait for stuff to happen these days uh in the work that you do as an artistic director of, of an institution is that you also deal with all all the kind of you know you have to to be into management and, you know, you have, uh, you have a team that you have to work with and, and you have to organize stuff. And you also have to think about, you know, uh, what you want the structure to be in several years, mm-hmm. even after you're gone, after, you know, you change uh, work, probably. Uh, you have to think about, you know, the future of the structure. So, and also some stuff I learned, or maybe that some stuff I couldn't do with my ex-ensemble with mm-hmm. Pink Machine, was that Pink Machine was really about the music I was writing. And now with Orchestre National de Jazz, I try—I really try—to ask myself every time we do something: Well, as the national orchestra, should we do that? Is—is mm-hmm. is this really a mission that we should fulfill? Because for me, trying to use the public fundings—I mean, we we depend on on the money from the state, and uh, this is money for you know everybody pays for yeah. that money—that's yeah. money coming from the taxes. So we really have to you know have a fair use of the money. So mm-hmm. that's why we. Built a youth orchestra. That's why we're doing uh, youth shows. I mean, the shows for, for young kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because for me, it's, it's also a way of, you know, a fair use for me of, of, the, of the public money, yeah, which was and, and when I was working with my own ensemble, I mean, I could concentrate only on, you know, doing the music I was writing. But with the orchestra, I really have to try to find a balance between stuff that are really serving a kind of community and also still maintaining the spirit you were speaking about, about, you know, doing new music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We are, you have to find a balance.
9: That was guitarist and composer Frédéric Moron, artistic director of the National Jazz Orchestra of France. This has been all in Music Time today. I'm Anna-Maria Popescu. Thanks for listening.
8: You are listening to Radio Romania International. Coming up next on Radio Romania International, in the spotlight. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh edition in our series. I'm Vlad Palcu. Over October the 18th and the 19th, the city of Jash in northeastern Romania played host to the Sustainability Forum, an initiative organized by the Association of Business Incubators in Romania with support from the Department for Sustainable Development. Facing a plethora of challenges at present, achieving sustainable development goals has become more than a necessity. After two years marked by the Covid pandemic, energy concerns, mobility challenges and now pan-sectorial insecurity generated by the war in Ukraine, European economies have reasserted their interest in focusing more on sustainable development as one of the key answers to the many challenges and crises that lie ahead. In this respect, the conference in Yash brought together stakeholders from southeastern Europe as part of an initiative designed to pool efforts and knowledge with a view to enhancing sectorial practices and cooperation at regional level and to strengthen the ecosystem of national and regional actors. The Forum is meant as a knowledge hub meant to overcome specific challenges faced by specific countries and exchange best practices in the field. Enjoying the support of local and national authorities from Romania and beyond, The event brought together policymakers, academia, businesses and NGOs involved in sustainable development with a view to generating an impact on the growth of regions in a sustainable manner. While the topic of sustainable development is vast and covers an array of issues, the forum seeks only to address particular concerns related to bioeconomy, circular economy, green energy, sustainable tourism and health, or sustainable business models.
9: You are listening to Radio
8: Romania International. In a contribution presented in video conference format, Ula Engelmann, Head of Unit at the Department for Clusters, Social Economy and Entrepreneurship within the European Commission Directorate for Internal Market Industry, Entrepreneurship and SMEs, argued that the European Commission's Sustainable Development Goals should remain a compass for sustainable growth in times of crisis.
11: Creating a sustainable, circular and climate-neutral economy is a key priority for the European Union and its member states. These objectives are crucial for the environment and the survival of our planet, but they are also key for the prosperity of our people, our economies and our businesses. Since their adoption in 2015, the EU has been using the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, as a compass for action both in Europe and internationally. In our current times, sustainable development remain as relevant as ever. The pandemic, the unjustified uh, aggression of Russia in Ukraine, the climate crisis, energy and commodity dependencies, disruption in global supply chains, and the record inflation leading to increased poverty, all points towards the need for a more sustainable economic model. The EU Industrial Strategy clearly seeks the implementation of many of the concrete sustainable development goals. It contains measures to speed up the green transition of industry, facilitate innovation, reduce energy and resource use, increase strategic independence regarding technologies and raw materials use. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, energy security are the most pressing issues for the European economy and industry. The supply disruption and the price increases of energy and raw material clearly suggest that we need to mitigate our dependencies urgently. Actions to reduce energy use, boost renewable energy production, diversify energy imports, and keep energy affordable both for households and industry are at the forefront of the EU agenda. The Repower EU and the Winter Preparedness Package are the key European Commission initiatives in this respect.
8: On the sidelines of the conference in Yash and somewhat in response to Ula Engelmann's presentation, Rauf Albden Deputy Director General for Multilateral Economic Affairs within the Turkish Ministry of Foreign Affairs, pointed out just how far global economies are from meeting the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals set by the United Nations. At the same time, the Turkish official explained that, when faced with a multitude of challenges facing these targets, regional cooperation across economic sectors remains key when addressing specific development goals.
4: 10%, one in 10 persons in the world, are faced with hunger again in the 21st century, so this I find appalling. And let aside eradicating hunger as the goal uh, committed in seven years, we're faced with a food security crisis and we're concerned that it might turn into a food catastrophe next year. So this is a very good indicator because it all starts with this, I mean, jobs and everything else comes later, equalities and everything else, but we need to be able to feed people. Digitalization, for example. I think this is an area, the ICTs and digitalization, that can help progress in every single one of those 17 SDGs on the board. But the digital gap is widening. I mean, while during the pandemic, we moved to doing, learning to do things online, uh, just as uh, in education, work, and everything else, millions and millions of people in the world are still offline. They're being left behind in this new way of life that we have discovered. They're left in the previous era. But every crisis is also an opportunity, and these simultaneous crises that we're faced up against offer also an opportunity for us to make things right, do things better. The debate on sustainability, collective response, and regional cooperation remains no longer a choice, but it has become a necessity. Economic recovery efforts should target a systematic shifts towards a more inclusive and sustainable economy that works for both people and the planet. So promoting regional cooperation and regional ownership are among our top priority in this region. That's why we attach the utmost importance to the Southeast European cooperation process and the Regional Cooperation Council itself. The pandemic and now the war in Ukraine has made massive negative impacts on world economy with significant risks of destabilization. Uh, in many regions, including ours. Most countries are faced with stagnant inflation, some even political backlash. International trade is in dire state. Countries and firms are switching to do a security first model of business. This could descend into protectionism and worsening inflation. So the importance of coordination at the regional level has become uh, all the more evident. The Balkans as a region represents numerous possibilities for regional and sustainable development. SECP and RCC can be instrumental in overcoming these challenges, they're very valuable mechanisms that we have established, and over these two days with the participation of all stakeholders, I trust that we will have the chance to discuss in depth what more we can do in our region against these challenges.
8: You are back with us in the spotlight continues on Radio Romania International. In the case of business clusters, cooperation seems to be key to sustainable growth. Gisela Kemmer, who represents the Baden-Württemberg Regional Agency Cluster, argued on the sidelines of the conference in Yash.
11: Classes can support innovations because of common interests, because of personal relationships in connection with informal exchanges. And the greater the trust, the bigger is the potential for a common innovation project. So in our case, the transition to a sustainable economy but maybe we can ask how we can work better, what could we improve? So maybe to bring more different actors from different disciplines together, so not only companies, also research institutes, and also public facilities, and classes should maybe be more open-minded regarding new technologies, so they must think um, outside the box and also the um, cooperations between different clusters could be a um, future goal.
8: The conference in Yash also provided an excellent opportunity for shared experience between several international cooperation projects and created a platform for sharing the results of various local initiatives in this field. And this has been all in the Spotlight today. From me, Vlad Palku, it's goodbye.
5: Listener's Day on Radio Romania International. Dear friends, Sunday, the 6th of November 2022, will be Listener's Day on Radio Romania International celebrated a week after the Romanian Radio Day, marked on the 1st of November. 2022 will go down in history and equally in the collective memory as a very special year, but not like the year the whole world emerged out of the pandemic, as most of us would have expected. On the morning of February the 24th, the old continent was shattered by an armed conflict after almost 80 years of peace large-scale propaganda and disinformation campaigns meant to create chaos and confusion have also become part of the confrontation. The information warfare is not a new kind of reality. However, its effects have become more visible than ever against the backdrop of the war in Ukraine because the war has brought a real explosion of fake news and disinformation with it. In this year's edition of Listener's Day on Radio Romania International, we ask you what sources of information about the war in Ukraine are the most reliable for you? How can you identify fake news from real news? How vulnerable do you think you are to disinformation? Have you removed from your list the sources of information proven to be spreading fake news and disinform the public? which is the role that public radio and an international radio station in particular plays in your life during this period of time. We are looking forward to receiving your answers, which will be included in our show on the 6th of November. You can email them to us at engl at rri.o, post them on Facebook or send them as a comment to this article on Radio Romania International's website at www.rri.ro. If you like, you can also send us pre recorded answers via WhatsApp at plus four zero seven double four three one two six five zero, or you can send us your telephone number so we can call you from the studio and record your opinions. Thank you.
0: Our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1700 hours UTC on 9760 kHz in the DRM system and on 11850 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1100 hours UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kilohertz, We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl Goodbye.